difference in this community. join us as we worship today.
thank you for the ability of us to come together and worship you and love you and say those words and to thank you through our music and our voices. And thank you for moments where we lift our hearts like this together in your name. Thank you for your son and the gift of being able to sing about what a wonderful, wonderful name he has and what it means for us. And God, we pray you would just open our hearts and our minds this morning to what you would have touch us. We love you, Lord, and we praise your name. Amen. You may be seated. Hello, and welcome to Press Church. I'm Marissa Luck. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you are new with us today, we are so glad you have joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm New link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. Woven, our women's weekly Bible study, will be tomorrow, 7 to 8.30 p.m. at our Powell campus. For more information, please contact Krista Hoffman at cfhoffman at yahoo.com. Each Monday night from 6 to 8.15 p.m., we partner with the Dream Center in Delaware to deliver groceries to families in need. We build relationships with these families and grow in our own faith as we serve others. You can volunteer once or twice a month or even weekly. To find out how you can participate, please contact Pastor Jason at jason.allison at presschurch.tv. Registration is now open for the IF Local Women's event on March 4th and 5th at our Powell campus. This event will focus on how to live in this world right now and how to navigate a life that goes against culture. How do we build community in the middle of that? How do we tell people about Jesus? Our lives matter in this time and we are not going to waste it. To register, please visit iflocal.com and for any additional information, please contact Chrissy Bontrager at chrissy.bontrager at presschurch.tv. If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you are visiting a campus in person, there's a box at the back exit of the worship center where you can drop your support as you leave. If you prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio, 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. How are we doing today? 
All right, all right. Our, uh, our team, we, we huddle every morning, and our team was really excited today. So I'm going to ask you again because I want you to match their energy. How are we doing today? All right, all right. Wake up a little bit. Well, it's so good to have you. My name is Sean Lee, and I'm the lead pastor here. And for those of you joining us online, thank you for joining us. Uh, you guys have a special treat today uh, because I am not speaking today. <laughs> you weren't supposed to be excited about Okay, all right. Just going to leave now. Uh, no, so um, I had the privilege this last week. Um, I went down to Orlando with Pastor Jason, and we got to be in a room with 800 other uh, pastors around the country uh, with our church planning network uh, just to be uh, poured into, to uh, be re-inspired, to get a little rest, uh, and it was great. And there was a part of me, I'm like, why didn't I preach today? Because I'm, I'm feeling excited. I got motivated. I got a bunch of good stuff. And I don't get to speak this week. So, Jason, you've got to really, you've got to really bring it today because, you know, the, the bar. You know, you're coming off this conference, and the people are anticipating, like, this great message, right? Is that, uh, this, is, this is the best way to come out, right? It, he's, I want you guys to give a big round of applause for Pastor Jason. Come on, let's get, let's. <laughs> highest he's jumped since high school so that's true <laughs> don't you're not supposed to hurt yourself before you come out here i'm giving it everything i got today all right yes uh, so so we love pastor jason it was great getting to spend some time with yeah. you and I'm, I'm looking forward to what what you have for us today be, be nice everybody no falling asleep like you guys do for me all right yeah, get out of here let's let's pray before we start god uh we invite you to come and to fill this place with your presence, with your wisdom, um, with your spirit. Uh, we want to open your word and learn from it and become better people uh, through it. Uh, anoint this time for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have been following along for the last few weeks in this crazy train series that we've been doing, uh, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed uh, going through this stuff. I've learned a lot. It's been really challenging in some ways and encouraging in others. Um, but we, you know, we started out, we said we need to understand our expectations, right? Do we have realistic expectations in our relationships? Uh, in, in these, is that a craziness indicator that we need to uh, think about and to understand? Is it a, a red light on our dashboard, right? Um, so realistic expectations, we talked about the fear of rejection and how that will hinder how much we interact with people or how we engage the world around us. Uh, last week, Sean talked about the need for control, and I, I had several people uh, talk to me or, or email me or engage in some way saying that message was a little too close to home, uh, and they didn't really like it as much because they had to actually deal with some stuff. Uh, today, we're going to talk about something that uh, I... I know that I deal with. So maybe this message is just I'm preaching to myself, but uh, we're going to talk about the craziness indicator of avoidance and isolation. Uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be, you know, to pull back and to, to avoid people and experiences and, and situations and to isolate ourselves and why that is a craziness indicator in our life that we need to understand and, and deal with. Uh, one passage I'm going to start from and then we'll come back to is Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Uh, in this passage, Jesus is teaching his disciples some things. And, and he says this, For where two or three are ga gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. So let me take a quick poll here. Uh, any extroverts in the house? All right, yeah, that's what I thought. 
I would ask if the introverts are here, but they won't raise their hand anyway because they don't want anyone to see them. Uh, you know, they're, they're, has anyone here ever heard of the Enneagram? Okay, it's a big thing, okay, and I really know just enough to be dangerous, uh, but what I do know is that there are nine, like, types of people out there, and, and, and everybody kind of takes these tests, and they try to see where they fall, what is, you know, and it talks about your weaknesses and your strengths, etc. Uh, anybody take this, and there are three. Anybody? Okay, I see a couple hands. Darn, that makes me sad, because I'm a three, and I just want everyone to like me, okay? That's kind of that's what it is. Anybody here a one? Anybody take and get a one? One? You're probably not going to raise your hand, because you're the type of person who took it, wants to make sure you got everything right, so you go back and take it again, and then you really don't believe the outcome anyway. Anybody here an eight, if you've taken it before? Anyone? I see a couple hands. You people scare me, okay? <laughs> just putting it out there. Uh, you, you're the type of people that not only... Uh, you not only are okay with conflict, you like embrace it. Like, it, it, conflict is your love language, okay? So you people scare me. So, so me, not ever wanting to be in conflict, being around an eight who loves conflict, can often cause me to pull back, right? I've recognized that in my life. I've recognized that there are things that are going on where sometimes I will step back and because I will avoid certain situations. I will isolate myself so I don't have to deal with things. Well, you know, most every week the pastors get together and we talk about uh, the topic that we, that the message is about. And this, this time we, we're doing the same thing. So uh, take a look at some of the stuff we talked about this week in our pastor talk video. Did you guys see the Spider-Man movie yet? Yeah, I was blown away. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm not that big of a Spider-Man person, but I thought the movie was really, really good. It was. Wow, for CR. Okay, let's. I'm let's, glad we're recording. Let's pause and get yeah. this right. CR is giving a a a, yeah. a new movie. Yes. And a Marvel movie. Right. Yes. Not that. I think it's because my expectations were so low. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the first week of uh, Crazy Train. <laughs> right. Yeah. The CR learned something. He learned yeah. to, to set his expectations. Lower expectations. So I, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So we're talking about avoidance, isolation. I should say we, Jason. Yeah. Jason's talking about. So what I'm talking about is what we miss out when we avoid things, avoid people, avoid, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think, you know, why do we avoid things? You know what I miss out when I avoid people? I, I miss out on the pain that they're going to bring me. That's what I'm missing out on. Well, if you want to focus on that, Sean, I'll just start calling you CR. But ow, ow, that was a low blow. Ooh, punch to the gut. No, I, but you can focus on that. That's the thing. Is right. that's why we end up slipping into avoidance and isolation, right? We, yeah. We only think about what yeah. we, you know, the the negative things that we'll miss out if we avoid right. people. Right. And it plays on the previous week of control, right? Yes. We're we're, we're this is a way in which we control things, try yes. to control yeah, things, yeah. and it's not healthy. No. Right. It's, it's almost, it's a very passive-aggressive way to control the situation. Yeah. Yeah. By avoiding it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think to me, the root of a lot of these things that we're talking about in the series, it's rooted in selfishness. Mm -hmm. And nobody, nobody wants to say that. And I also don't want to dismiss the fact that there's times when avoidance or isolation mm -hmm. is necessary. Mm -hmm. Or, or healthy you know what yeah, i mean right. it's the healthy thing to do so 
that's the tough thing in all these. Oh, yeah. You can go to an extremes in either way, and they're probably going to be unhealthy. Well, when any of these things, any of these, you know, <laughs> red flags mm -hmm. become the pattern of your life. Yeah. That's when they really... Yeah. But that's kind of, you know, we, we joke about your car always having some light on the dashboard <laughs> going off about something. Yeah. Uh, um, but, you know, those are indicators. Right. That something's wrong. Yeah. And so if you just always ignored it or you, you know, then you'd never get anything fixed and we wouldn't be able to do car Right, right. Yeah. This is why I like the series. This has been fun, you know, and, and it's been, but it's been challenging because yeah. you're basically saying these things show up, these lights start flashing and we see them most in the midst of relationships. Yeah. There are, uh, are a lot of areas that, that we need to stretch in. Yeah. And we don't like to stretch and grow in those those ways, and when then we actually uh, avoid and or the avoid isolate yeah. from yeah. anything that does. You know, yeah. I'm happy. Uh, I'm not happy, but I'm happy with where my life is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If I engage in some of these conversations, I might not be happy. Mm. Right. I might see. I might see a perspective that I disagree with, and have to actually think about what I think. Mm -hmm. And I really that's that's hard. I don't want to do right. that. Right. Yeah. It's easy to get defensive when you're, the way you think about something is questioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us run from that. We don't know what to do. Like, it, it feels very personal. Yeah. Um, and like an attack on who we are. Mm. I think a lot of us have blind spots that, well, they're blind spots. We don't know about them. We don't understand yeah. how we come off. We don't understand, hey, you know, when you say that, I know you may not think it like that, but right. this is how it feels. And if you don't have somebody around you to, to say that, you're going to continue in that pattern of, yeah. of right. working on that. Way. Yeah, but I don't like it when people call out things. <laughs> right. Me. I'd rather avoid them. <laughs> what are we going to do with that? <laughs> what are we going to do with that? <laughs> All right, Sean, I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, though. Think about it. We were, maybe you don't know this, we were created to live in community. Right, because Genesis uh, 2.18 tells us that we were created in the image of God, and God exists in community. We call that the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a perfect loving relationship together, and we were created in that image, and so we actually are created to be together. And that's wonderful when everything's going great, isn't it? It's wonderful, it's happy, everybody's excited. But the moment there's conflict or tension or somewhere, someone just doesn't agree exactly with everything, all of a sudden our, our fight or flight tendencies kick in. And we're like, wait a minute, they disagree. And if you're an Enneagram 8, you go argue with them. <laughs> if you're an Enneagram 3, you run away and find a group of people who like you, okay? We, we hit those times and we, we automatically do things that maybe are not in the long run in our best interest. Adam and Eve even avoided God when they heard him coming, right? They, they, they sinned and then it says, and God came and they hid. And, and we're going to come back to that in a minute. But they hid. And this is a pattern that has repeated itself billions of times throughout history where we we reach a point where there's conflict and we we isolate or we avoid other people in the process now just to lay some definitions down okay avoidance or isolation what i mean by that is it is a coping mechanism or behavior that seeks to escape 
an uncomfortable thought or feeling by avoiding interacting with someone or entering into a specific situation. Okay, that's what I mean when I say avoidance or isolation. And, and often we do this by isolating ourselves and refusing to allow others in, into our personal space, into our relational space, into listening to what they might have to say. And I will tell you, this is often rooted in a, a past wound, right? When it gets to be this craziness thing, it's because it's, it's rooted in something that happened to you a long time ago that you realized, oh, wait a minute, when conflict enters the room, I get really wounded, and maybe you were really wounded and something happened, and, and now every time that you, you face some type of tension in a relationship or some type of, of conflict in a relationship, you, you get that feeling that, oh, I'm right back there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience this pain that I don't like, that I don't want to be a part of. It was too much to handle. It was too big to bear. And so what do you do? You, you avoid it. You isolate. You, you, you put a hedge around you so you don't have to feel that again. The problem is in doing that, you end up missing out on some healthy things. In the process and, and don't get me wrong there are times when you need to avoid certain people because they intend to bring you harm and and maybe you're in a situation where them being around you would cause you harm and, and there is a time and a place to say I've got to put distance and that's just called having healthy boundaries and that's a whole nother sermon that I'm not going to get into but that's that's where we say okay there are certain things that I need to protect myself from. The problem is when that becomes a pattern in our life and we never allow anyone to speak into our life because we don't want to face that tension or the conflict that might come with that. And it becomes a pattern. And over and over and over we see it. And all of a sudden we look around and we realize that we have pushed everyone out of our relational space except for those who completely agree with us or will only tell us what we want to hear. And that's just not a healthy place to be. And unfortunately, sometimes we get, we get lazy. Because let's be honest. Okay, today, there are some football games on, right? Who day? We day. No, you're not. You're the 49ers. Uh, <laughs> right, there's some football games. So let me tell you this. If, if, if I'm at my house... And I'm watching the game with, if, if I'm a Bengals fan, and I'm watching with a bunch of Cincinnati Bengals fan, it's way easier to have fun, isn't it? I mean, even, especially if they're winning. But even if they're not, we can commiserate together, right? We can just eat more chips and wings, right? We, it's easier when you surround yourself with people who agree with you. But what happens when you get in a room and there's some random 49er fan sitting there? What do you do with them? <laughs> But you see how in our life we have to realize there is a time to engage. There is a time to step into things. Because when we do, we actually experience some things that we can't experience otherwise. When we avoid, when we isolate, we miss out on some really important things in our life. And let me just list a couple of these uh, today as we, we think through this. When we fall into that trap of avoidance or isolation, the first thing that we miss is perspective. Right? We, we miss the, the power and the joy of a shared life. There's something about someone else, how they see things, that make me see things better, more clearly, with more dimensions and depth. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer 
than a brother. A real friend is there with you even when you disagree because they can offer you a perspective that you can't see on your own. There are some traps that we easily fall into when we are doing this, when we are losing this perspective. We get what they call you know, myopic vision. We only see right in front of us. We only see our way. We, we don't see anyone else. We don't see anything in the periphery. We have no perspective. We get closed off. And that is pretty pervasive in today's world. In everything from politics to marriage, we slip into this trap of a myopic view. We only see our perspective. See, here's the thing about a blind spot. I can't see my blind spot because it's a blind spot, right? I need people around me to help me see my blind spots. This is why, I mean, honestly, doing this church, right? Leading this church with with Sean and CR, the three of us together, it's amazing when, when we are sitting in a room talking how we've reached the point where we can point out each other's blind spots, because we've, we've done this together now, and, and I can tell you, if any one of us did this on our own, it would be an extremely different animal. And probably most of you would not be here. But because the three of us can at least point out blind spots, we can, we can give each other perspective, then all of a sudden there's a power in that. There's a joy in a life that is shared uh, Sean mentioned that we were down, it was really rough having to be in Florida this past week, but, you know, we, we weathered through. I mean, it was a little rainy and only about 55 degrees, so, you know, it was pretty, it was tough working for Jesus this week, I tell you, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we were at this conference, and, and the cool thing is, uh, this is why I love being part of this, this, this network of churches, and it's called Converge, and, and, and this was the national conference, but uh, in it, you know, there's all these pastors, and, and the cool thing is, they see the world differently than we do. They do church differently than we do. In our district, right, which is about eight states from South Carolina, kind of up the coast over upstate New York and Pennsylvania into Ohio, uh, there it's, we're one of the few districts like this, but 40% of our churches are, <coughs> are non-Anglo, <coughs> excuse me, they are non-Anglo majority meaning that, that white people don't make up the majority of those churches. Now, you sit around and you talk with some of these pastors, they see the world differently. They experience the world differently. There are churches in our churches in the D.C. area that still are not meeting in person because of the COVID stuff, because they were decimated by it. You think they don't see the world a little differently than we do? So spending time with them, is, it's, it's fun, it's exciting, it's challenging. But it helps us understand that there is more out there than just the way we see things. This, in Exodus chapter 18, uh, Moses' father-in-law comes to visit him. Now, we all love it when our in-laws come. Uh, you can imagine if you're, you know, your in-laws come and you're leading a million people across a desert. Uh, a little busy, a lot going on. Father-in-law decides to give him some advice, which we all love it when our fathers-in-law give us advice while we're trying to do this thing that God called us to do, okay? And basically what was happening is Moses was getting weighed down in all these trivial little you know, things that he had to make decisions on. 
And his father-in-law comes in and says, hey, listen. Well, let's just read it. In, in Exodus 18, 18, it says, you know, it, this is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Moses needed an outside perspective to show him that what he felt like he had to get all this done, he needed someone else to show him another way to do it. And so he did what his father-in-law said. He delegated all these different things. I got one. I just didn't drink it. I'm sorry. Thank you. I, I, these people, they're so nice to me. You know, I don't know why Sean complains about No way. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, he, he sees this going on, and, and Moses ends up delegating some of the authority so that other people can make decisions, and, and all of a sudden, he's freed up to do what he's supposed to do. But he needed another perspective. He could only see what was right in front of him. And that's what happens when we get into this avoidance and this isolation. We miss out on the amazing experience of other people speaking into our life. We get a myopic outlook on things. We also become very vulnerable to temptation. That's another trap we can fall into. There's something about that mutual accountability that happens when we know there's someone else with us who's on our side. They're not trying to point stuff out. They're with us, and they're cheering for us, and they're encouraging us, but it helps us withstand those things. Like in uh, Proverbs 27, 6, it says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. When a friend loves you enough to say the hard thing, it is far better than when you surround yourself with people who only tell you what you want to hear because they're going to try to take advantage of that. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's what happens when we allow others in. We gain perspective. And then we gain the power and joy of a shared life together. Uh, second thing we miss out on, I keep moving here, is purpose. We, we miss out on the opportunity to grow as a person, to grow into the person that you were created to be. We say this all the time around here, but embracing your identity in Christ is the way to figure out how you can make a difference in this community. And how do you do that? You have other people around you who help you figure that out. Help you, you know, work off some of the rough edges, build into you and in some of those areas that will help you flourish into the person you want to be. It will help you understand who you are in Christ. This is why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, uh, verse 24, he starts out, he says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's encouraging each other to be who God created you to be. So let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, you need each other. You need to help each other discover who you are in Christ. And I love how he says, right, you, you need to spur one another on, motivate one another. Never in that verse does he say that you come to church to get fed. You come to church to encourage. You come to church to love, to challenge, to, to motivate each other. 
that's how you get fed, by doing that, by being together, by, by encouraging each other. If you come here every Sunday and you are not pouring into someone else, you're missing out. If you are part of this church, but you aren't connected in any other way except you show up Sunday morning and then you leave and you really don't talk to anyone, you're missing out. And it's not because, oh, we want you to be more plugged in so we have more stuff. No, 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 no. You are missing out. We want you to become who God called you to be, who God made you to be. And that only happens when you have people around you who are speaking truth into your life and love and encouraging you. And that only happens when you're open. And you're welcoming of that. Another aspect of this, if you think about it, America, the West, right? We are a very individualistic uh, culture. And, and that's not good or bad. It just is. That's just the way we think automatically. When, when most people read this verse, first thing they think, right, is me individually, I shouldn't give up meeting together. But you got to remember, this was written by a Jewish person 2,000 years ago whose mindset was more communal than individual. So what if the church today began reading this with that lens? Instead of individuals need to show up at church, what if it said churches need to be together as churches rather than isolating themselves with only people who believe exactly the way that everyone else in the room believes. And, and quit separating over every single minor difference that comes up. Well, what if we started to read this to say, you know what? The fact that there are so many denominations is actually making us weaker as a community. Because what happens when you surround yourself with only people who think the same way as you and say the same things as you, what you develop then is this little bubble that really becomes weak community. Because there's no other perspective being shown. There's no one else that's saying, wait a minute, let's think that through because maybe there's another way to perceive this, another way to think about this. And all of a sudden, we get a bunch of little, tiny, weak community places. Because here's the thing, if, if, if I'm in this little community and we all believe exactly the same and we all think exactly the same and I have a thought that maybe is slightly different than other people, in, in a bubble like that, you know what happens? They embrace the idea, right? And they run with it and they all grow as people. No, I leave. And they stay the same. And that's not the way God wanted us to grow as churches, as his church. And so I wonder if, if we, in isolating and, and avoiding all these things, if we aren't missing out on an opportunity for the church to experience its purpose of being a light in this community, of making a difference in this community. There's a place in Galatians, and, and we don't have time, I'm not going to dive into it very deep, but... Uh, an interesting interchange uh, between Paul and Peter. And if you want to study it more, it's Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. But basically what happens is uh, Paul is talking about this church in Antioch. And in Antioch, uh, there's, there's Jews, and then there's also Gentiles as part of this church. And, and that was a big tension point because the Jews were trying to figure out, do you have to become a Jew to follow Jesus? Well, Gentiles aren't Jews, <laughs> And so did these Gentiles have to become Jews? 
in order to follow Jesus. And, and there were rules for the way Jews could interact with Gentiles. Like Jews weren't supposed to have a meal with a Gentile. And, and so there's this tension because all of a sudden now this new community called the church is forming that had Gentiles and Jews. How do they get together? How do they commune together without breaking rules that have been established? Well, so Peter comes to visit this church. And when he gets there, he says, no, 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 we need to all get together. So we all get together, and Peter would go to a Gentile's house. He would have a meal with them. He would interact with them just as though they were, you know, regular people just like him. Like, he, he, he interacted. But then all of a sudden, some people from Jerusalem came. And, and these people were very much, no, 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 no. The Gentiles have to become Jews. Being Jewish is as much of our identity as being a followers of Jesus. And all of a sudden, Peter went, oh, no, you know what? I better not do anything to make them upset. So he withdraws from the Gentiles and only hangs out with the Jews. Well, Paul calls him out. Kind of friend you want, right? <laughs> and he does it publicly because what Peter did was public. And he says, listen, Peter, and I mean, I love the way he puts it. He says, I opposed him to his face. Paul was an eight, just in case you were wondering, in the Enneagram. Because he stood condemned. Paul said, Peter, you, you, you're totally backtracking on everything that we've learned from Jesus. So remember the, what Jesus called us to do? He called us to make disciples and to help them follow Jesus, not to become Jews. And so all of a sudden, in the midst of this, Peter remembers his purpose. He remembers who he is in Christ. And who he's calling people to be in Christ. And he changes. And it becomes a beautiful act of community working together. Because they didn't avoid the conflict. They stepped into it. And they realized there was another perspective. They realized the purpose of what, who they were and what they were doing. But then the last thing we want to touch on before we wrap up today is when we slip into this trap of avoidance and isolation, we miss out on power. We miss the best avenue of connecting with God. Now, we're going to go back to Matthew uh, 18 where Jesus is talking. Because there he says, you know, where, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm right there with them. When they gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Now, the interesting thing is, if, you know, one of my big things when I'm talking about interpreting Scripture is context is everything. You've got to understand, you know, what else is going on. You can't just read one Bible verse. You need to read it all together. The context of this conversation that Jesus is having is how to deal with conflict. The whole thing starts with, you know, basically if someone sins against you, if someone hurts your feelings or does something wrong, you need to go to them. Don't avoid it. Don't isolate. Go to them and have that hard conversation. Stay at the table and be with them and engage the conversation. But then he goes on to say, and when you do this, I'm with you. So the Jewish tradition in, in the Mishnah and the Talmud, uh, there's some writings there where they talk about what all this means and they try to describe it. And one of the things that they say is that, but if two sit together and words of the law, the Old Testament, right, are spoken between them, the divine presence 
rests between them. When two people came together and discussed Scripture, the divine presence is there between them. Jesus builds on that. Jesus says, I am that divine presence, and I will be with you. This is the same divine presence that in Genesis chapter, chapter 3 was moving through the garden. In, in Genesis chapter 1 was hovering over the great death, right? This is the same presence that when the tabernacle was built, it came down and with fire it filled the tabernacle. This is the same presence that when God was giving Moses the law on the mountain, right? The people were so scared of the presence of God that they wouldn't get near the mountain. They said, Moses, you go. We don't want anything to do with that. That is way too much for us. This is the same presence that came down into the temple and filled it in such a way that the people were overwhelmed and they broke into worship. That presence is who Jesus says he is. And he is between us when we don't avoid but we move toward one another, even in the midst of conflict, even when there's disagreement, even when it's hard. Now, that's power that I want to tap into. That's power that I don't want to miss out simply because I was afraid of being uncomfortable with a conversation. When I know that stepping into those hard spaces, there's a promise that Jesus will be there. I'll move towards that. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work. I'm still figuring it out. But I'm going to move toward it. Because that's where I want to be. In, in Genesis chapter 3, um, th there's an interesting thing that happens because the, the, the man and the woman, right, Adam and Eve, had just sinned. And, and the way the New Living Translation translates that text, it says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. Now let me just tell you, that is a very sanitized translation. It makes it sound nice, doesn't it? The cool breezes. There's only one word there. The word is, is ruach, which is the same word that in Genesis chapter 1 says the, the spirit of God, the ruach of God is hovering over the void. And out of that, it creates. It, it, it's the same word that is used to describe in Genesis chapter 6, when he says every, uh, every living animal, every animal that has the breath, the ruach of life in them is going to be destroyed by the flood. It's the same word that is used to describe in Genesis chapter 8 that God sent his ruach, his spirit, his wind to dry the land because it was covered in the floods. It's the same word that's used in Exodus chapter 14 when the Israelites are coming up to the Red Sea and they're standing there and they've got the Red Sea in front of them. They've got uh, the army coming up behind them and they're going to die if something doesn't happen. It says that the Ruach of God, he sent his, his Ruach to separate the waters. That's a powerful wind. And so in this text, we see that Adam and Eve hear God coming. It says, we, we heard you coming 
And we were afraid. And so we hid. We isolated. We avoided. Why? Because when we perceived you coming, because we knew what we had done, the way we saw you was not a gentle breeze. But we saw the God of the storm approaching. And it scared us. Here's the thing. What changed? It wasn't God. It was them. And have you noticed in your life when when you know that there's conflict, you know that something is is happening between you and another person, you begin to perceive them in a different way. You you hear them approaching and it sounds like this ominous steps, right? You you hear their voice and it changes from what it normally is. In your mind, you're hearing this very uh, almost evil thing because you don't like them. There's something going on and, and the way you perceive them is totally skewed. And instead of understanding that, no, 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 they didn't change, your perception did. You hide. You avoid. And maybe you're in that situation with God right now. There's something between you, and and you realize it's going to take a big step of faith for you to step toward God. Because you're afraid. He seems more like a firestorm than a gentle breeze right now. Because you know who you are. You know what you've done. You know what's going on in your life. You know the thoughts that you've had. And you're looking up going, God, I I don't know. Because I see you as this big, angry God. But this is the joy of Jesus. Because he says, between you and God, I'm in that space. If you will step towards it, you're actually stepping into me. I will make sure that the edges are smooth, that the communication happens. But the question is, do we trust Jesus to do this? Do we believe that Jesus actually wants to see us move forward in our relationship with God? Do we trust Jesus enough to say that I'm going to step into some of the awkward, difficult conversations with my friend, with my spouse, with my children, with my boss, with my coworkers, Because I know when I do, Jesus will show up. Have you ever reached a point where you put your trust in Jesus to do that? Jesus promises that when we step toward these things, and we don't isolate, and we don't avoid, he will be there. It takes a lot to stay at the table in the midst of tension and conflict, whether it's with God or another person. But I promise you, you will grow exponentially if you stay at the table, if you will engage, if you will trust that Jesus is there. We don't want to avoid an opportunity to experience the power of the presence of Jesus. So my challenge for you today is very simply, who are you avoiding and why? Is there an opportunity right now for you to say, you know what, I've been avoiding God because I don't really know that it's going to be okay. Maybe today's the day you say, you know what, I'm going to trust that Jesus said he would show up, and so I'm going to believe that. And I'm going to pray 
and I'm going to ask God to meet me. I'm going to have that conversation with my spouse, with my friend, with my parents, with my in-laws that I've been avoiding. Because Jesus promised that he would be there in the midst of that. I don't know where you're at in all of that, but I know that it can be hard. Relationships are hard. It starts with faith. Today, what we're going to do is um, we're going to sing one last song. Um, and, and while we're singing that and, and afterwards, uh, we've got a few people uh, who have volunteered to be a prayer team and pray with anyone who might just need a minute to pray. Just, just wants someone to pray with them or for them or over them. Um, and, and, and so as we sing, they'll be over on kind of that side of the room. Uh, if you want to go pray with someone, great. If not, that's fine too. But we just want to make that available. For those of you watching online, uh, I just want you to know you can email us, right, at info at presschurch.tv uh, and, and, and let us know if we can be praying for you. Because this team of people, and there's others besides even the few that are here today, that, that will be praying. And we actually will pray. Because now's the time where you start processing, am I going to step into faith or am I going to avoid it? Am I going to say, God, here I am. I'm going to trust you with me. Or are you going to keep hiding from me? So let's, let's just stand and let's just pray together to close this before this, as the band comes. Uh, Father God, you know, we, um, we don't like necessarily to be in spaces that are awkward or difficult or might stretch us. But Father, we, um, we know that you promised to be there when we were gathered in your name, even if it's just a couple of us, and even if it's for hard conversations. And we're going to trust that today more than ever. Father, there are people in this room that maybe have never, ever actually started to trust you, have ever made that statement of God, I don't understand everything, but I trust you. And I think Jesus really did come and die for me to give me a new identity in Christ. And so God, for the people maybe that are wrestling with that now, I, I just want to ask you to, to come beside them and give them the courage to, to make that prayer of simply, God, I trust you. I put my faith in you and I will follow you. And then give them the courage to ask for help. Father, I pray for every marriage, every parenting relationship, every friendship that is represented in this room, that your power would fill it. And that even with all the crazy indicators we probably see in our lives, all the red flags going off, and the, that we would be able to, in faith, step towards you and the, the healthiness that you bring because of your love that overcomes all. We give you the glory in Jesus' name.